When was the last time that you thought about death? When was the last time that you thought about Judgment Day? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.4, a wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. One of my favorite quotes that I share with you guys a lot is, to an unbeliever, the only heaven they experience is the one here on earth. And to a believer, the only hell they experience is the one here on earth. The Bible tells us in James 4.14, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. As believers, we have to recognize and realize that the things that go on here on earth are but a vapor. They're but a mist that we have hope in a tomorrow, that we have hope in a future, that we have hope in an eternal life. And like we see in the story of Job, that the devil's one mission, his one assignment, his one hope is that we will turn our backs on God. So he's going to do whatever he can. He's going to say whatever. He's going to put us in whatever situation to get us to do that. In the book of Job, we see this conversation between the devil and God, and God says that the devil can do anything except kill Job. Anything at all. He can kill his family, he can take all of his livestock, he can burn down his house, anything except kill Job. And Job, in spite of all this, should not turn his back on God and should not curse God. Yet in our day-to-day lives, in our day-to-day lives, we curse God for a lot less than that. We turn our back on God over bad grades, over failed relationships, over driving tickets. <laughs> we literally turn our back on God over the smallest of things. And why do we do this? It's something that I really want us to really meditate and think about today. I want us to, as the Bible says, a wise man thinks a lot about death. I want us to think about death today. I want us to think about our relationship with Christ. I want us to think about how we can do better, how we can be better. And the whole book of Job is really just an example of our lives today, right? The whole point of our life is that one day we're gonna go to Judgment Day, right? And what's gonna happen on Judgment Day? Either we were a good or fa- good and faithful servant or we turned our back on God. And how are we a good and faithful servant? By remaining steadfast. And what does it mean to be steadfast? So to be steadfast means resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering, firmly fixed in place, immovable, Some of the synonyms are loyal, faithful, committed, devoted, dedicated, dependable, reliable, patient. And so everything that happens here in our lives, it serves one of two purposes. And so from this point on, I want us to think in this way. Everything that happens to you is doing one of two things. It's either going to bring you closer to God or it's pushing you away from him. There is no villain in your life. We are not cartoon characters. There is no person on earth who is a villain. The only villain is the devil. 
And so he's going to use situations, he's going to use words, he's going to use actions. He's going to do everything he can to get you to turn your back on God, to get you to lose your faith. And so recognizing this, we have to move purposefully. We have to root ourselves in the word. We have to do whatever we can to remain steadfast, to remain on our guard, and to continue to fight the good fight. So today I want us to talk about steadfastness. I want us to talk about how we can be steadfast. I want to give us some biblical examples. And I want it to really resonate with all of us because sometimes living in this world and going through things it's very easy to want to defend ourselves it's very easy to get knocked off of our posts it's very easy to lose our faith it's very easy to feel like we are our own defenders that we have to stand up for ourselves blah da 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 that you know someone is a villain whatever the case may be but we have to realize that there is a larger picture we have to realize that this life is but a mist, right? As the Bible tells us. So I want us to read 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So in Corinthians, Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church to remain faithful to everything he has taught them. And Paul is addressing those who have fallen away from his original teaching on the resurrection. So all of this chapter is talking about resurrection and our earthly bodies, right? And he's talking about how people are starting to embrace heresy and introducing destructive ideas contrary to the gospel. So in this chapter, Paul is restating the truth of Jesus's death for sin, and he's telling them that we have to remain firm in, his, in the teaching of the Bible, right? And so to be steadfast and unmovable is to be spiritually grounded. So in Ephesians 4.14, it talks about being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. So a steadfast person knows what he believes and he will not be tossed back and forth. So an unmovable person can hear, can hear false teaching, talk to doubters, and defend truth, and go through situations like Job did, go through hardship, go through trial, without it shaking his own faith. And one of the verses that I found very interesting is in 2 Corinthians eleven three, where Paul is expressing a con concern for the church and he's saying, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the servant, serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So even believers who had been taught by Apostle Paul himself were victims of deception. So how much more can we be, can we fall victim, right? And the same way that Eve was led astray and deceived by the serpent's cunning, we also have to be able to recognize that Satan is cunning, right? And so he's going to bring situations, he's going to bring conflict, he's literally going to do whatever he can, just like he did to Job, literally destroy whatever, use whoever to, for us to be led astray from our devotion to Christ. So 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So for us to accurately handle the word of truth, we have to know what the truth is, right? We have to read the Bible. We have to allow it to be part of us. We have to have it on the tablet of our heart, as the word says, right? Um, so we have to be really diligent in our study of the, of the word, and we have to know the word. And that's one of the ways we can remain steadfast. So I also have a few more 
scriptures I want to share with you guys just to encourage us all. So the first is James 1.12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so I wanted to use this verse just to remind us again that, you know, this isn't the end for us. That there is a reward at the end of this, that we have eternal life at the end of this. And all of this is a trial. Your life is a trial, right? Um, and we're here on a mission to do what God has called us to do. And a lot of people say, you know, what is my purpose in life? And, and your purpose in life is to have a relationship with Christ. That's your purpose in life. There's goals, you know, maybe I'm going to show God's goodness through this, through being a doctor, through being a teacher, through opening my own organization, whatever, 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 great, 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 but don't remember the purpose over all of it, right? Because Job, he was super rich, he was blessed, he had all these kids, da 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 da, da. but at the end of the day, it was about his relationship with Christ. And through that, all these other great things flo flowed out, right? But the point was that relationship with Christ. And so I also wanted to use 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, right? So now I wanted to read for 2 Peter 1, uh, 3 through 9. This is the message version. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God, which is Jesus, the best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you, your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupt by lust. So do not lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you, oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. So friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this and you'll have your life on a firm footing. The streets paved and wide, way wide open into the eternal kingdom of our master and savior, Jesus Christ. So I really like this because it's just a reminder to us that we have an invitation to get to know Christ personally and intimately. The best invitation ever. And I just really like this version because it's like absolutely terrific promises. Like it's very, it's very exciting, right? It's very exciting to have the opportunity to know Christ, to be in relationship with him. And the same way that it's exciting and it's free and it's great, it's something that we should also value. And the heading of this chapter is don't put it off. Don't put it off, right? Um, like we said, life is but a vapor, and who knows when the day is coming, right? We don't know when Christ is coming, so we can't say, oh, tomorrow I'm going to get better. Oh, tomorrow I'll forgive. Oh, tomorrow I'll let it go. Because like I said, everything that you do, everything that happens to you is doing one of two things, right? And I wouldn't even say everything that happens to you. Everything happens for you, right? Every wound is an opportunity for wisdom. 
Hello, hello somebody. Every wound is an opportunity for wisdom, okay? So if we start looking at life in that way and we stop feeling like things are happening to us, but we see that it's happening for us and it's an opportunity for us to grow, it's an opportunity for us to get better. Hey, okay, I got a verse for us. So rejoicing in trials, <laughs> James 1, okay, so James 1, 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Allow perseverance to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. This man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. So what's the opposite of a double-minded man who is unstable in his ways? A steadfast man, a single-minded man, right? And it's just a reminder to us to rejoice in our trials, to consider it joy. When you're going through these things, remember, once again, it's either pushing you towards Christ, it's either edifying you, it's either bringing you closer to God, it's either making you more steadfast, or it's pulling you away from God, which is what the devil wants, right? Which is why all these things are happening, um, because the devil's trying to pull you away, right? So I love this verse. Um, and then even uh, first James 1, 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God had promised to those who love him, right? So that's another great rem reminder. And then also James 5, 7, Be patient, which the subheading is patience and suffering. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. So the real, so the big part that I wanted to really point out here was verse 11. As you know, we count as blessed those who have pers persevered. We count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So, you know, all the time we say, oh, God is a redeemer. God is a healer. God will fight for me. God is a restorer. You know, we say all these things, but do you really believe it? Right? Because if we really believed it, we wouldn't react the way we react. We wouldn't allow things to push us away from God. We wouldn't be impatient and suffering. We wouldn't we would count it all joy, right, as we just read prior. And so I also, before we get into how we can be steadfast, um, I also wanted to read to us 1 Corinthians 4, which talks about the nature of true apostleship. So back in the day, you know, the apostles were the 12 apostles, but now all followers of Jesus Christ are called to be apostles. We are all his amb ambassadors, and we can see that in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. 2 Corinthians 5.18-20 All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the word, world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And so entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we're supposed to be telling everyone the good news. We are the ones who are sent out, as it says in Acts 1.8. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are all supposed to be preachers of the good news. Romans 10.15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful of the feet are those how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So we are all apostles, right? So now that we've established that, let's talk about, you know, what is the nature of apostleship, which we read in 1 Corinthians 4.4. 4. This is the NIV version. Um, well, 1 Corinthians 4, I'm going to read the whole chapter. This then is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful must prove faithful. So I'll pause there. How do we prove ourselves faithful? By standing firm through the fiery trial, right? By not growing weary, by being steadfast. The Bible even tells us that we must prove ourselves faithful, right? So when these things arise, when situations arise, when things aren't looking how you thought they would look, when God is taking things away from you, when you're going through a Job season, right? We have to rejoice in that and recognize it's an opportunity for us to prove ourselves faithful. And now picking up from verse 3, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. And I really like this verse because there's, there's times where our conscience can be clear, right? We can say, oh, they deserve that. Oh, they did it to me first. Oh, I don't feel bad about doing that, right? But just because your conscience is clear, that does not make you innocent, right? It's the Lord who has the final say, which is why in the beginning, I wanted us to think about the day of judgment. Because on judgment day, the Bible says that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak, right? In Matthew 12, 36. And I don't know about y'all, but I've spoken a lot of idle words, right? And there's a lot of things that we've done. I thank the Lord for his forgiveness and for his kindness, right? That these things are wiped away by the blood of Jesus. However, if we did have to account for all the bad that we did, um, if there was no sacrifice in Jesus, you can't point the finger at someone else. You know, I don't get to say, oh, well, she did this to me first. Oh, well, this and this and this happened. Because let's look at the story of Job one more time, right? In Job's story, all these things happen. And I think a lot of us had those things happen to us. We would think that we had every right to curse God, that we had every right to curse our friends, that we had every right to to just give up on everything, right? A lot of us have given up for a lot less, as I said earlier, right? But we have to realize that it's the Lord who judges us. That is, it's, your conscience is not the judge. How you think you did is not the judge. But it's what God has said. It's what the Lord has said. And so continuing with verse 5, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So I love this part. I'm seeing if there's anything else. 
Mm-mm-mm. Yes, okay, so that's really what I wanted to get down to. So let's go ahead and I want us to talk about how can we remain steadfast in the Lord? How can we remain steadfast in the Lord? And so for me, you know, we've read the de- definition. Um, so a way to just sum it up is steadfastness is keeping your faith in God the same, immovable, unchangeable, being loyal, being dutiful in your responsibility with Christ regardless of what is happening in your life, regardless of what is said to you, regardless of what happens to you, regardless of what's taken away, regardless of what's given to you, keeping that faith in Christ, standing firm in your faith in Christ. And so some ways, so I wanted to talk about how we can stay steadfast in Christ. So one of them is don't hide your feelings, right? So sometimes we think that or sometimes I, I'll use myself as an example, I could think that, okay, me being steadfast, me having faith in Christ means that I don't cry, right? It means that I am not sad. It means that I am not disappointed by things, right? But that's not true. We have emotions, right? And Job, for instance, let's go back to our brother Job. Job did not hide his feelings when he was going through hard times, but he was steadfast in the Lord. In Job chapter 6, it says, that it would please God to crush me, that he would lose his hand and cut me off. Then I would still have comfort, though in anguish I would exalt. He will not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. So the first step to cast your feelings to the feet of the Lord is to cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So this is First Peter 5, 7, right? So we don't want to blaspheme God, right? But there is no problem with weeping. There is no problem with feeling sadness. Um, but it's important that we show this, we give this sadness to the Lord right? Um, And we can see this in contrast with the Israelites, right, who just complained, 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 right? And God didn't like that they were doing that. Um, So there's a difference between complaining and doubting God and casting your cares upon him and realizing that he 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 has control over it, right? And that he cares for you, right? And then the second point is to be in your word, which we already talked about. And then so we can see this in 2 Peter 3.17, um, so it's very important for us to read our Bible, to know what the Bible says. And as we kind of t- touched on before, um, people will come and try and distort the word. People will come and try and mislead you. But Peter gave us the advice in 2 Peter 3.17. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. So we don't want to be led away with the air of the wicked. People might come and say, oh, it's okay for you to do this. Oh, did God really say you can't eat the fruit, Eve? You know, people will come and try and distort things, but we have to be steadfast in our understanding. We have to read the Bible. We have to understand what God has said to us because even we see um, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, the devil tried to use the Bible and say, oh, doesn't the Bible say this? Doesn't the Bible say this? Um, and he was distorting the word. So we see that that's something that one of the tricks that the cunning devil uses. So we need to be aware. Um, the third one is to make sure that we're always staying in prayer. Um, and complaint in times of trial lead to destruction. And so we can go back to the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. Numbers chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts outskirts of the camp. So we should make our prayers known to the Lord. We don't need to waste our time complaining. Um, And yeah, we don't need to waste our time complaining. And we don't need to shut our heart against the Lord. 
something that I really struggled with is feeling like I have to deal with things by myself. I have to process this by myself. I have to get out of this mess by myself. But we have to remember that in our weakness, the Lord is made stronger. And God brought us to it. He'll bring us through it. Amen. And that's what the devil wants. He wants us to isolate ourselves. He wants us to feel like we have to go through things by ourselves. But God is there for us. And we see this um, even when Jesus Christ, he was steadfast when he was going through hard times on earth. And the secret of his firmness in the Lord was his persistent prayers. So we see in Luke twenty two forty four, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And this is one of my favorite verses. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. So our pain, our sadness, our agony, that shouldn't push us away from God, right? It should pull us in closer. So that goes back to the point I made earlier of, you know, everything is either pulling us closer to God or it's pushing us away, right? So we have to be like Jesus and allow our pain, our agony, our sadness to pull us in closer and cause us to pray more. And the next one is to praise and worship. The power of praise and worship in the Lord is enormous. It's huge. Um, and there's so much healing in praise. There's so much restoration in praise. And it can be difficult to feel sad and praise at the same time, right? But it, it makes you steadfast um, that regardless of the situation, we're praising the Lord. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Right? So we give praise regardless, regardless. And the enemy hates to see you happy. The enemy hates to see you praising. He wants to see you down. He wants to see you sad. He wants to see you upset. Like we said, his whole goal is to get you to curse God. So if in your turmoil, if in your struggle, if in your sadness, you are still rejoicing, you're still praising, you're still giving thanks, um, it's just drawing you nearer and nearer and nearer to God. And it's making the enemy mad, okay? <laughs> and then also, going to church is very, very, very important very, very, very important. Um, and also doing the work of God. It's very important for us to do the work of God. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So whatever God has called you to, you have to continue to do those things. You have to continue to do the work he's called you to do, regardless of what's going on, regardless of who's coming up against you, regardless of who's trying to throw you off track, right? Um, you still have to stay dedicated to the mission. And I think a great example of this is Joseph. Um, you know, he has this vision from the Lord, I'm going to be king. It takes years, 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 years before this comes into fruition. But wherever he found himself, he still was glorifying the Lord and his actions. He didn't use the fact that he was in prison and sold by his brothers as an excuse to sleep with Potiphar's wife. He didn't use it as an excuse to, you know, not help out in the jail, not, um, he, he could have allowed that to really cripple him. And that's what the devil wants. He wants the situations we go through to, to cripple us, to take away our good cheer, to make us sad, right? Um, but if we remain steadfast in the Lord, not only you know, do we have the opportunity to grow closer to him, but we also have eternal life as well. Um, and so just a, a reminder, as we talked about in the beginning, your life here on earth is but a short mist. It's a vapor. It's over so, so, so quickly. So we have to remi remind ourselves that the unpleasant conditions we're going through is just for a short period of time. And if we stand firm in the faith we have in Jesus Christ, we'll be able to, we'll be able to overcome those pains. The Bible says re resist the devil and he will flee from you, right? Um, so if we're steadfast in the Lord, we know that we have eternal life and that that will be 
much, much longer, literally forever. Sometimes it's so crazy to think about, like, oh my gosh, like forever, ever, ever, ever. But like, yes, forever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Um, and so finally, I wanted to just read this to close us off, talking about the day of the Lord. Um, and I think I'll start with Second Peter 3, verse 9. But do verse eight, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort, every, every, every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. His, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your own guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawlessness and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this time to read your word, Father God, and we come into agreement with steadfastness. Lord God, I pray that regardless of the situations we face, regardless of what is thrown our way today, this week, and in our lifetime, Father God, that we will remain steadfast, that we will remain in our relationship with you, Father God, that you will strengthen us, that you will give us the faith to carry on, Father God, that you will give us the faith to fight that good fight, Father God, that you will give us the strength, Father God, to stand by you, to stand for peace, to grow in your word, Father God. Help us to be the people you have called us to be. Help us to come to complete the mission that you have called us into, Father God, and help us to stand by you through everything, Father God. I pray that your favor will touch everyone listening to this podcast, Lord God. I pray that your hand will be over them. I pray that your presence will surround them, Father God. I pray that you will speak to them, Father God, and I pray that you will strengthen them, Father God, to not fall victim to the ways of this world, Father God, and so that none of us will abandon our post, Lord. We love and adore you, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. See you in the next episode.